As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This week on Taco City. It, it's, it was crazy because the neighborhood's pretty much dead. There, there's a lot of a lot of vacant houses, uh, a lot of foreclosed uh, businesses, but the taqueria is still there and it's thriving. The taco. We've all had one, no matter where you live. In its simplest form, it's a tortilla, meat, cheese, and sauce. But did you know there were hundreds of variations? My name is Rob Gokey. I'm a film and television composer born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I'm also a connoisseur of tacos, and I wrote a book called Taco City Los Angeles, exploring tacos and the chefs in my city and what inspires them to make the tacos they do. This show will delve deeper into the taquerias of the world and also teach you how to make them. Welcome to Taco City. Normally, I start every episode of Taco City off with a history lesson. Um, we've talked about pirates, um, about dinosaurs, about all different um, types of explorers and conquerors that have um, gone into Mexico and even in the United States. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about the history of Taco City, of this podcast. So my obsession with tacos goes back to... Um, at least publicly, around 2010, 2011, when um, I became known on Twitter as the composer who ate tacos all the time. Uh, for, a, for a long time, it was just a thing. Everybody would want to meet for tacos. Um, you know, I would send pictures to people. Friends of mine organized taco crawls that we'd go on. Uh, and then one day, um, a friend of mine and a producer named Jay Friesen, who lives in Montana, approached me and said, we should do a show about your obsession with tacos. Um, let's find 10 places that are your favorite places to eat at, and we'll kind of come out and do pre-interviews. So we picked some places and set up interviews, and Jay flew out, and Jay, my wife Allison, and I um, hit up all these places with a camera and just kind of pre-interviewed everybody to figure out what their story was um, and if we could make a show out of it. And so we interviewed about four or five different people on camera, just really rough. Um, hey, we're going to ask you some preliminary questions. Do you mind if we roll camera at the same time? And so Jay went back and got extremely busy and said, hey, I don't have time to make this show right now. If you guys want to make the show without me, go ahead. And I said, no, I don't really want to produce a show. Um, so why don't I just turn this into a book? 
Um, people have been asking me for a guide to tacos for years and years, and I thought, okay, why don't I write it? Um, but it can't, the book can't be 10, 10 places long, so let me pick somewhere around 60 or 70 places in Los Angeles, and that's how the Taco City book came to be. Um, I basically took um, that list of 10 and then expanded it around Los Angeles and tried to represent all the parts of LA and Southern California evenly. Um, and the book launched and it was a great success. And I thought, okay, well, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm done with that thing with tacos. Um, I got approached about six months after the book came out by another friend of mine, Tim Street, who works for Authentic Shows, who said, you should totally make a podcast about tacos. And at the time, I was not an avid podcast listener. So I just kind of said, okay, I'll see what I can come up with. And I went off. And on a drive across the country with my wife for uh, one of her film shoots, we listened to nothing but podcasts for six days there and nine days driving back um, a few months later. And what I realized is that everybody in podcasts were telling stories. And I thought, oh, I can do that. I can tell a story. And that appeals to me. So I, I thought, well, I wonder how this will work in podcast form. So the very first interview that I grabbed, I grabbed the camera interviews that Jay had done um, at that point, almost a year to two years before. And um, the first one I looked at was the one from Mexicali, which is owned by Ezra Zochoa. So we went into Mexicali. It was, it was only the third time I'd been in there. I'd been in there a couple of times. I knew they had this amazing carne asada that it kept winning polls all over LA. I loved it. We get in there, but I'd never met Ezra's himself. So we went in there and sat down. Um, you know, we, we sat down and Jay introduced himself and I just kind of held, stayed in the back because I was just going to be the host of the show and, and the, the reason behind it. Um, Ezra's went out of his way to come over and shake my hand and thank me for all the promoting I had done for him, all the tweeting. I was, I was blown away by the fact that he, A, knew who I was and B, that he was so, was so grateful for, some, for me to doing something that I didn't think was um, that impactful. And so that became the, the beginning of my friendship with Ezra Zochoa. So when I decided to make this podcast, um, I grabbed the Mexicali interview first. And, and I thought, well, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to create a pilot for the podcast and see how it is, I want to tell Ezra's story. So in the first episode, we did Mexicali Taco, and I told the story of Ezra's and um, you know his rise from um, a little boy living in Mexicali to now this chef that's um, been around the world opening taquerias uh, and the the it was the spark of that his story and that podcast that made me realize oh I have something here that I really am passionate about and want to keep making um, and and I knew that this show was going to be um, basically take up all of my time for the foreseeable future so in both cases I feel like Ezra Ochoa um, was the catalyst for this turn that I've taken in my life and my career. I normally write music for film and television commercials, 
and I still do that, but the podcast has easily taken up the majority of my time between researching, interviewing, um, editing, recording, everything I have to do for the podcast, including scoring. Um, and I love every second of it. And I, I feel like I owe Ezra's um, for being that influence in my life for, um, for his story being inspiring and making me want to talk to more chefs and learn stories about people who have come here to find a better life and start a business for themselves and how they've succeeded at doing that. Uh, so when I wrote that, did that first episode, Ezra's was not available for me to interview. So I had to do all the audio myself. Um, he was over in Hong Kong opening 11 West Side, which is a Mexican restaurant. Um, and he was busy traveling. I just made a mental note that at some point I wanted to track him down and sit down with him and do an interview. And uh, last week I managed to catch a half an hour of his time and sit down with him before he goes off to travel the world um, making tacos for other chefs in other countries and basically dominating the taco market um, as the king of tacos. Um, so I um, recorded the interview and it's basically not edited at all. I'm just gonna to, um, let you guys hear everything from start to finish. Um, and I, you know, it was an exciting moment for me to be able to interview him and sit down with him and do it on camera. Uh, so, without further ado, here is Chef Ezra Zochoa. How are things going with um, 11 West Side? Uh, good, good, good. I mean, I'm heading back. I've been gone for three months, so it's more of a... I feel like it's been longer than that. Maybe it's because yeah. you've been back, but you've been all over the place when yeah, you've been back. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> like, I guess, yeah. It feels I, like six. <laughs> yeah, it feels like... You're right, man. It feels like a long time, especially when I first left. <clears throat> I left back in May. And then got back here in October, so it was about five months while I was gone. But then after that, I just I just had to catch up from all the stuff here, and all these other plans I had. Um, this project, uh, this TV show that we worked on, um, I was in the studios for like six weeks, so that was that was kind of draining but exciting, and, and it kind of opened my mind to other things and a lot of good networking there, new friends that I made there. Um, so yeah, but I mean, going back to Eleven West Side on Tuesday. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, what Luis, who's our executive chef there now, mm -hmm. has come up with. We give him some freedom to create some of, some new dishes, especially for the brunch program. He he rolled out the brunch program while I was gone. So I'm excited to see what he came up with. It's got to be hard to go in and train everybody, especially in like in Hong Kong, where it's not like here, where everybody <laughs> knows tacos and like. But you go there and you're like, okay, here here are the recipes and here's how to do it. All right, good luck. I'm gonna go back. Don't screw it up. All the time. We were afraid of that, but that was that way. It was that. That's why it was crucial to have a, a, uh, somebody take my place who was Mexican who knew the food and knew the culture. And I got this this guy from uh, he's from Chihuahua, Mexico, and he was living in Thailand at the time. So um, we met through mutual friends, and I offered him the position. He came over, he staged, and he liked it. So we offered him the position. While I was gone, he took over. And at least all the, the <clears throat> local kids, you know, all the Chinese kids, they, mm -hmm. they had a point of reference as far as Mexico goes, the right. flavor profiles and the techniques. So they weren't, they weren't, it wasn't too scary. But if he wasn't there, yeah, it would be a whole different <laughs> I, story. I loved your Instagram stories when you were test kitchening there and you were like, uh -huh. everything was almost done with construction. You were teaching them all like how to cook things and like the looks on their faces like they were all into it but you could tell they were like what is the stuff he's doing yeah, like, yeah. are they getting it or are they 
You were like, and here's kind of, and they were like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a whole other world for them. Um, You know, at Tortilla, half of these kids never heard what Tortilla was. Um, So I had to take them back to to, to literally like the the very basics of of, of even what salsa is. They didn't know what Mm -hmm. a salsa was. Of course, every country has a sauce of sorts. Right. Well, which is what salsa, like what translates to in English is sauce, but but everybody's salsa is different. Exactly, exactly. And techniques are very different. For instance, in, in Hong Kong, a very, very, very uh, popular sauce is the EXO sauce. And it's used uh, in dim sum, it's used in different kind of Chinese cuisine uh, mm-hmm. dishes. Um, La which is uh, like a Chinese sauce. It's, and then like Xiujiang, which is like a, a Chinese oil sauce. So there's different types, but they're very different than any kind of Mexican sauce. Well, and like Indian has their own sauces and like Thai has their own. Yes. And everybody's got like their own hot sauce or sauce. But right. but Mexican's so so much different. Correct. Um, Correct. I, want, I want to ask you as a, as a kid growing up um, in Mexicali, when, when you, first of all, what's your fondest food memories of being back home when you're a kid? Like what are the, the things that like take you back there if you taste them or if you think about yeah. like positive food um i mean of course it's the tacos and the, the tacos are always the, the first thing that comes to mind uh, but there was a specific taqueria close to where we lived in this this it's pretty uh it's pretty uh we lived in a, in a bad time we didn't live in the greatest side of town in mexicali it's called Villa Verde. Mm-hmm. back when we were kids it wasn't as bad but now it, it's kind of deserted and it's in really bad shape but there was a really good taqueria. It was probably like a five minute drive, five minute walk from our house. I forget the name, but it had Coca-Cola chairs everywhere, just like we do here at Mickey Candy. <laughs> Coca-Cola signs everywhere. Um, but the taquero was always the same guy who was always there. Um, and I recently went back, this was probably like 20 years ago, since last time I was there. Mm-hmm. And the same guy was still there. Oh, that's awesome! Because then you know too, it's gonna t- it's gonna taste the same. Everything's yeah, the same. man. But it was just. But I, in twenty years, there's a good chance. Like, a is it open? And B, right? did that guy retire, or did he? Right. <laughs> it's it's it was crazy because the neighborhood's pretty much dead. There, there's a lot of a lot of vacant houses, uh, a lot of foreclosed uh, businesses, but the taqueria is still there and it's thriving. And it's just a testament to see that when there's good food, everything around it could really go. Go south, but if the food is good, it's gonna it's gonna remain, you know, and it's gonna thrive. So people then come from other towns yeah. that like just to other his, neighborhoods, just to his <laughs> taqueria. Tacos. That's awesome. And my favorite taco from that guy was tacos de tripa, which is uh, intestine mm-hmm. tacos. He would make this braid of the intestine, boil it, uh, kind of poach it for for hours, and then just finish it on the grill, on the mesquite, on flour tortillas, guacamole, and salsa with, with the the buttery, crispy, charred tripas. So good, man. I it's well, that's one of those things. Like for a long time, lengua. All the lengua I had was off of a truck, and yeah. usually it's frozen and it's rubbery because they're right. like overcooking it on the grill. Right. And and then I had good lengua at a place at um, Los Anaya on West Adams. Los Anaya. Um, and they get it every morning, and it's fresh. And he only gets premium lengua. And if they don't have it wow. at that morning at the shop, so he won't, shop, he won't on, buy on it. The menu, if it's not good. Or right. And then I realized, like, same with tripas. Like, I've had them on a truck, and I've never loved them, but I feel like they're always chewy and, like, overcooked and not flavored well. Yeah. And so I, f- I feel like I have to find a place that makes them correctly, like like he does, right, in order right. to appreciate them. Of course. They, they're, they're tricky, man. I mean, it, there's, there's easy shortcuts when it comes to tripa. People just boil the heck out of them, and then they just put them in lard or, or in fat or in oil and just fry the heck out of them. Um, that, that's, that's, that's not good. 
it's and, but then again people that don't know tripas you know they mm -hmm. might like them they don't know really what what they're supposed to have how they supposed to taste but once like somebody like me that's tried the real deal or tried it the right way and goes to that it, it just doesn't matter it doesn't make sense it's not good um yeah it's 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 one of those things that's hard to get people like as a gateway in. like i try and tell people about lengua and they're like tongue no i'm like yeah. i know but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't chance. look like a tongue on the they're not it's not like a tongue is put in a taco like it's chopped up I, I had a friend once that got it accidentally on his plate and before i could stop him he took a bite and he was like this is great and i was like what is this that's the lingua that you didn't want and he was like oh well i don't want any more now that i know what it is but it was good and i'm like so finish it no okay <laughs> um so so salazar like I, I think it's cool that you open this open air place in frogtown and i feel like salazar was at the cusp of like reinventing frogtown and, and bringing it back into the light um do you, do you feel like it's like a success in terms of like what it's done there and like how it's working? I feel like it's still, how many, how long has it been open now? It's still busy, like all the time. Yeah, and it was busy when you guys opened. So it's been just nonstop. Yeah, it's, it's been a great run, man. I mean, it, it's definitely more than what we bargained for. Um, we knew it was going to be a hit. We didn't think it was going to be this huge of a hit. Um, but I got to give a lot of credit to, to uh, just the layout of the restaurant. You know, the food is good. Mm -hmm. um, Johnny, he's an executive chef there now. Um, he's a really good chef. He was my, my, my chef at Cuisine while I was there. Um, he knows the vision that we're trying to do. He understands the cuisine. He's Mexican, uh, raised here in LA. Um, but I gotta give, give him a lot of credit to the layout, to, to the feel, to the vibe of the restaurant, you know? I mean, there's not a lot of places in LA where you go and eat on top of dirt with trees all around you and cool vibe and people all walks of life and having fresh made tortillas, mm -hmm. grilled over mesquite. Um, it's just the whole combination of all the elements make that place a success. Um, it's yeah, it's great. It's so different when you go there. And, and it's funny to read, like if you look at the Yelp reviews a lot and it's like got all these five star reviews and one of the women are always like, don't wear your best heels here. Don't wear yeah, your best, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of rocks. <laughs> like, oh yeah, as a guy, I never think about that. But yeah, yeah. Um, it is cool. It's, it's awesome that you're outside and then once in a great while when we get rain, uh -huh. then I realize like, oh, that's a de totally a detriment for you because you don't have, yeah, it's not it covered. Is. It is. Um, I mean, not so much this year because we'll get two days of rain just now and that was, yeah. but last year when we got it for like a month straight. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. It was rough. Um, you know, the, the crazy summers kind of make up for it. But I mean, we knew what we were getting into when we, when we designed it that way. And we knew that it would, the, the, the beautiful days out of the rest of the year would make up for those rainy days and the cold days. Um, and hey, a rainy day gives us a day off, you know? Who doesn't enjoy that once in a while? Right. I know there's a lot of people going into Frogtown now, too, and there's like, there's Frogtown tacos, and like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I oh, everybody. Heard about them. I haven't been there, but I've, I follow them on Instagram and I've heard of them, too. Nice, um, it looks cool. So I've, I'm kind of like, oh, that's cool that, that everybody's, that people are starting to, to, you know, explore LA a little bit better in a part of town that they would not have not thought to go to right. if they didn't know. Yeah, people before the restaurant salads are like, nobody. <laughs> I would say very few people heard of Frogtown. And now it's funny when I have this app where you just for fun we check for home prices in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And every single every single description for every house in the neighborhood, it always, the, one of the first pitch, pitches, it's like, oh, it's, it's Salazar restaurant is in the neighborhood. Uh, that's that's going to be it's so like weird a, to see. To, to buy a house, you know? <laughs> so that, that was kind of cool. Because then you don't have to find parking because parking is yeah, not yeah. easy. <laughs> Frogtown. Like, oh, if I just lived a block away from Salazar, I could go all the time. Don't worry um, about parking, yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll go back going back to, to Mahakali, the mm -hmm. because there's such a huge Chinese 
influence there, yeah. which I didn't know until I did the episode on this restaurant and right. started to research. How, how does that affect, because you're a big fan of Chinese food there, you told me when you go back there, if you want Mexican food, you go home. And yes. if you want to eat in a restaurant, you have Chinese food because some of, the, some of your favorite Chinese food is there. How, did the, how does it differ because they have, like they have chipotles and they have different peppers than you would use uh -huh. if you were in China cooking Chinese food because, because of what's grown in Mexico? Right. So how, how do the flavors differ there in your opinion? Ah, man, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I've been in LA, I had really, really good Chinese food here, um, authentic. I've been to Hong Kong, which is like, you can't get more yeah, that's that true. in the motherland, you know? <laughs> and of course, growing up in Mexicali, having all these Chinese food restaurants, I kind of see the whole, I see the whole, uh, the whole um, array of Mexi of Chinese food, you know, mm -hmm. in, in different parts of the world. Um, more than anything in Mexicali, the Chinese food there, it's more of a, of a memory for me. And that's why I like it so much. But now that I tried the real deal and the stuff in LA, I realize it's not as great as I remember it. <laughs> it is hard. It's like when I go to the East Coast for the very first time and right. had pizza. And then I came back and no pizza here. Right, like there's exactly, some great pizza right? in LA, but when I compare it, I'm like, oh, it's all right. this is all right, but it's not yeah. East Coast pizza. I felt like a snob suddenly, <laughs> but I'm like, I, now I get it. Now I understand why all the, the East Coast people are like, we have the best. Um, it's got to be the same with Hong Kong. They're like this is the the home exactly. of Chinese food. Exactly. I even felt that way when I had the uh, dim sum. Like I, I I lived here and I'm a huge fan of dim sum in San Gabriel Valley. I thought it was the best dim sum ever. But then I went to Hong Kong. Being there, I realized yeah, it's not that great here, man. Once you have the real real deal. Um, but yeah, going back to Chinese food uh, in Mexicali, you know we Mexicans we like. We like to venture with different flavors and different things. For instance, uh, the number one thing in every single one of these Chinese food restaurants is ketchup on every table. So you would never in a million years see ketchup bottles in. No, because I would. I can't think of anything I would put it on. Yeah. Chinese food. <laughs> on everything back home. You really? So so they put it on rolls, on noodles, on egg rolls. On noodles, on egg rolls, on fried rice. Um, so you get this Chinese mustard, and you get the ketchup, and you, on this cool little bowl you throw in some ketchup and a little dab of this Chinese mustard, which is really strong. Mm -hmm. It's almost like wasabi. And you mix it in, or like horseradish, and you mix it in, and that's where you dip your egg rolls. So it's like spicy rolls. ketchup. Exactly, it's spicy ketchup. And it, and it works phenomenal with fried rice, man, and some of these things. You would never think about this unless you go to Mexicali and, and have it there firsthand. I mean, here we put we put sweet and sour sauce and sriracha. I mean, at least in LA, sriracha is huge because yeah, it started yeah. here. But right. like, I always think of those two things for for it's that another, kind of food. It's another version of that, yeah. exactly. So it works. But is just hot pepper sauce. That, yeah, right. And the sweet and sour sauce is sweet, and then you get the spiciness from the sriracha. So it's the same thing with the ketchup and the mustard over there. We have these chiles gueritos uh, that, that are local, um, and they, they fry those, and they, they uh, I mean, that's the one we do here in Mexicali as well. Mm -hmm. You deep fry them, and then you toss them in with lemon, lemon juice and soy sauce and salt and pepper. Very simple, but they're really good. They're addicting. And those are amazing with, with fried rice, with, with, your, with your barbecue pork. Um, so there's a lot of little tricks like that, that, that you see on Mexican, I mean Chinese restaurants in Mexicali. Um, so opening 11 West Side, what obstacles did you face trying to open a Mexican restaurant in Hong Kong? Like I would assume ingredients would, would be much harder to get. It's not like, like anywhere in the United States you could open a Mexican restaurant and still right. figure out how to get a hold of of the right ingredients but right. now you're in Hong Kong so like <laughs> man it was it was a huge challenge it still is um, I realize 
how, how lucky you are to have fresh jalapenos in LA and serranos and tomatillo. Um, you know, here in the States, you pay uh, 50 cents, 60 cents per pound for tomatillo. Right. In Hong Kong, I'm, I get them chipped over there and I'm paying about uh, about seven to eight dollars a pound. Ooh. So you're talking about, this is almost, this is uh, more than 10 times the price for something like tomatillos. You know, so uh, something like salsa verde becomes a, a huge uh, luxury in Hong Kong. And uh, so you gotta get very creative. And, and I don't also, so you have to you have to price your menu according to the ingredients you're using. Right. But then it gets tricky because you don't wanna start selling tacos at seven, eight dollars a taco. Well, especially since you're bringing, I mean, you're bringing something new there and you're like, hey, right. try this thing that you probably haven't had before. But you don't want the price point to be so high that people are like, I don't want to risk it. Yeah, um. exactly, man. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and, and you know, a taco is something that, that at least me as a taquero, making tacos for a living, um, it's something that I love to share. And it's something that I think any it should be accessible to anybody. So the price is always a factor into, into creating a, a specific taco or a menu. Um, so what I do over there, I get very creative. I have a carne asada taco, which is I use a prime short rib. Um, we grill it the same way over mesquite, um, and then we do our handmade flour and corn tortillas. Very simple salsa tatemada. Um, for the salsa tatemada, I use local local uh, green chiles mm -hmm. as opposed to serrano jalapenos. Um, the flavor is very unique, but it's also it also has the same flavor profile as the salsa tatemada we used to here in America and in Mexico, just with a little tiny twist. Not enough where you can really tell unless you're a, a salsa snob. Mm -hmm. uh, but with the guacamoles, the avocados, they come from Australia there, sometimes from Chile, from Peru. Sometimes we get Mexican avocados, but um, it all depends on season. Is it easier or cheaper and easier to get them from like, like avocados from Australia instead of getting them from yes, Mexico? Yes, uh, there's a huge uh, Australian community in Hong Kong. So there's a lot of importing and exporting going on. Um, Australia has decent avocados and they're a lot cheaper than the Mexican ones. And um, so yeah, the price has to do a lot with the factor of, of our menu and what we do. A lot of the fresh uh, serranos and jalapenos that I get from time to time, I pickle them. Mm -hmm. So I have this huge pickling program that I do there. And uh, so I pickle them in order to, to preserve them longer and right. use them for different dishes, not just on tacos. Right, because it changes the flavor profile of exactly. the, of the jalapenos. Exactly, garnishes, it's just like a, like a pickling plate. Uh, but also I, I mix in like local local herbs and local, um, local produce into these pickling uh, combinations with the Mexican serranos and jalapenos. So it, it lends itself really well. That's cool. So you're, yeah, you're able to integrate like the Chinese, in the, in the opposite way of the Chinese influence in Mexicali, the yes. state, you're doing the, doing it the other way around. Correct, correct. <laughs> um, which is really so I, cool. I thought it was, it was funny how that worked out, man. Never in a million years growing up in Mexicali and having Mexicanized Chinese food. I never thought I would take it back to the yeah. land. You would never think then, out. I'm going to go open a restaurant in Hong Kong. You're like, yeah. no, I'm going to go to LA and maybe. Right. And you didn't even, when you came here, you didn't even come here initially with the ambition of no, like cooking food. No, not at all, man. Um, you just kind of fell, you fell into it, but like it, like clearly it pulled you in and that was what you were supposed yeah, to be doing. Exactly, man. I had to store my passion for food. Um, so you're, so you're about to travel, like, I saw your itinerary, which yeah, is yeah. crazy. So I'm reading it out to my wife and I'm like, I'm like, wait, there's another page, there's yeah, another yeah. page. <laughs> Holy crap, there's another page. So what, what's, like, why are you? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that moment in your life when you realize um, you found your calling in life, you know? And you hear about these talks and you hear, you make friends and you have your, your people who you look up to. 
and they're taking the passion to, to as far as they can and what they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in Hong Kong, I had an amazing experience sharing Mexican food and tacos with, with, with Asians and the other side of the world. And not only that, but there's a lot of expats there, a lot of Australians, a lot of British, mm-hmm. um, people from all over Asia and really all over the world. And just um, expressing uh, how I feel about tacos and showing them our, our culture through tacos as a taquero, I feel it's my duty to do that, you know? Um, and just seeing their excitement and how, how, how well they grasped the, the tacos, you know, and how, how much they enjoyed them. I, I, I wanted to take it to the next level and just, you know, why not like do a tour all over the world and see what people know about tacos, see what they, if they ever had a taco and see if they would be interested in having a taco. So I'm trying to, every, every place that I stop in on this tour I'm doing uh, around the world, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to stage in a restaurant. Trying to get my way into a restaurant and, and learn their cuisine. And if they, if they give me a chance at the end, you know, I'll make a taco for them and see what they what they what, what they like about and it. And like, kind of base it around like, here's here's a. T- are you going to take what you learn at each place and apply yes. that towards your principles? Oh, that's Correct. awesome. Correct. If I if I can and if I can get a hold of the right ingredients, I will make a taco that I that I normally make a traditional Mexican taco. But I do want to start off making a, a taco based on their ingredients, on their culture, and what I've learned starting that night. It's like you're. It's like you're taking missionary, but in taco form. So you're being yeah. a taco missionary. You're basically going <laughs> and like taco preaching mission, yeah. tacos, like to all. And you're doing like you're doing lots of Europe because there's a lot yes. of like yes. uh, France and Italy and Germany. Yeah, and so, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm starting. It's it's, it's gonna be crazy, man. I I know there's gonna be a lot of a lot of challenges along the way. But again, this is a crazy adventure, and it's it's what I'm excited about. But I'm gonna start off obviously in Hong Kong. After that, I'm going to uh, India, from India to Nepal, and then go to the Middle East, um, go then through Greece, and then work my way up through Europe and finish off in uh, in uh, in um, Marrakesh mm-hmm. or Casablanca, I forget, but it's in Morocco, and then uh, going through uh, through uh, Lisbon, Portugal, and then my final stop is in New York. And I, I'm, I'm scheduled to do there a collaboration dinner at, at Cafe uh, Cafe Balud, mm-hmm. which is like oh Daniel Balud's yeah, yeah. Oh, okay cool. Star restaurant there in the upper upper part of uh, of, of New York and and, uh, and yeah doing uh, like a Baja style uh, collaboration dinner there with my friend um, my friend Aaron who's the executive chef there and that should be fun so we wrap around the whole world and spread the, the the taco taco love i know it's a long time to be go- it's a long time to just be traveling i would think at that there's a point at the end where you're like okay i just want to like call one home. place home yeah <laughs> um because like when you go to hong kong for like six to eight months that's home for a while and you it come is, back but it when it's just travel 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 it gets it exactly. starts to wear on you after a while i i think it is man but again it, it's what it takes you know to, to spread the, the taco wisdom and taco knowledge with the rest of the world. Hopefully something good comes out of it. You've, you've done this awesome job of branding yourself, of like you almost more than the places. It's almost like you're here at the apex and then all the places that you've opened and the catering and everything else yeah. is like part of part of the Ezra Social brand. What do you see when you come back? Do you know what you want, where your next step is? Man, um, there's... There's just so many opportunities, man, you know, and I'm very fortunate, very blessed to, to, to have these opportunities, these doors opening up. Um, so I do have to have to take advantage of these opportunities, you know, because life is short and, and the, the last thing I want to do is look back when I'm 80 years old and man, I should have jumped on that. I wonder what it would have been if I, if I would have done that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, it's more also on this trip, it's more for me to just take some personal time to myself and realize 
what do I want to do with this with this with this branding of myself? You know, and and, and really, it's 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 me. It's not really just about me. It's about it's about you know my culture, where, where I came from, and I want to expose Baja California, Northern Mexico, and just Mexico in general. You know, and if I could be that sort of a vessel for for that, you know, um, why not, man? The, one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is all of the, the history of Mexico that I'm learning like yeah. over and like and and the list of places that Allison and I need to go visit now it just gets longer and longer because every episode I'm like <laughs> now we have to go to this part of the Yucatan now that I've researched this right. city um, also I, I anytime like I see the Spaniards name pop up I'm like oh it's like they're like the villain now because I'm like here comes the Spaniards <laughs> to oppress poor Mexico yeah. um, but it's just so interesting. There's so much culture, and and like, I think sometimes people think of Mexico, the country, as just like, it's just like a state in in California where like everything is the same. Yeah. But like, it's so Not different depending all. on what region you are, and it's the true. food is different, and everything. Um. And and I think I like being able to educate people on that because um. And that the fun thing is that the thing that I like the most, the history, I thought, well, people aren't gonna like that part. They're just gonna hear about the tacos. But right. people keep coming up to me and they're like, I love the history of, I didn't oh, know it was gonna totally. get like a history lesson. <laughs> totally, um, I enjoy the, the, the ones that I've listened to, I enjoy that. And it's really cool to see you grasp it and know it. In a sense, sometimes some things I didn't know. And so hearing from you, it's like, uh, you teaching me about my own country. That's, that's pretty cool, <laughs> That's um, pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, that was the thing that appealed to me when I wanted to do the podcast, when I, when I thought, um, when, that clicked for me i was like oh now i'm totally in and and the company that wanted to sign me at the time was like give us a pilot episode if we like you we'll sign you and find you advertisers but by the time i did the the mexicali episode uh -huh. i was kind of like well here it is and if you guys don't like it i don't really care because i'm going to make it anyway because at that point <laughs> i committed i was like oh now i know what i want to do and right. i'm going to keep doing them and fortunately they they were like we love it it's great um keep doing what you're doing um and so it's been it's been fun trying to incorporate places in the other parts of the United States. Like we're in the middle of Indiana on our trip back, and I was like, "Find us, find us, Tacaria." And Allison's like, "There's this little place in this tiny town off the highway." So we just drove, and we drive to a place, and then go in and get food. And I was like, "These are amazing tacos." I would have never found this place in the middle of wow. nowhere. That's awesome, man. <laughs> um, very cool. cool. Um, I, that's all the questions I got for you. I think we're we're pretty done. Okay. Cool, um, cool. I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Oh, of course, man. I feel like you and this restaurant are like the apex of it's what like sparked the book, which then sparked the podcast, really? which is why like you were one of the first places in the book and you were the first episode of the podcast. So Thank you, man. Um, yeah, like I have this feel this like warmth towards like you in this place and, and how like life changing it was for me and what I do and oh, thanks man. Oh, people like you got us where we're at man so I, I can never forget that you know yeah that's why when when uh when when you say hey Ezra's can yes sir right away you know <laughs> as soon as I can man well I I really but appreciate because you're so busy and uh, I I no, thought pleasure man um it's, it's part of who we are as a as a Baja Californians you know we, we try to never forget where we come from and and it's still like you know we're still looking for success we're still right now we're just planting seeds you know um. And it's a journey, but but really going back to who we are and how we started, who got us there, who helped us get there, we, we should never forget that, you know? So yeah, that's why, of course, man, anytime I could do anything to help you out, you've done enough help for me, so. I'll just meet you in like Lisbon or somewhere and we'll <laughs> do another interview. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Morocco for a... <laughs> I need a camera, man, so yeah. I'd raise a little more money. <laughs> um, 
All right, very cool, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks so much. My pleasure, man. Um, what do you want to eat? What do you want me to send out? Salazar is located at 2490 Fletcher Drive in Los Angeles, California, 90039. And 11 West Side is located at 1 slash F, the Hudson, 11 Davis Street in Kennedy Town, Hong Kong. All that talk about tacos has made me hungry, so why don't we go make some? Okay, so for today's episode, we're gonna do a relatively easy one. We're gonna make um, cheese and poblano taquitos. So basically a taquito is a rolled fried taco. Um, so these are really good because they're fried and everything fried is good. And they're vegetarian. Um, and I, I want to do taquitos and often taquitos have shredded beef in them or shredded chicken. Um, and I just felt like I wanted to keep this simple, so I thought we'd do cheese in uh, poblano chili, which is not a very spicy chili, but it's got good flavor, um, and the two complement each other really well. Um, so with me, fresh from Sundance, um, she literally was at Sundance Slam Dance this weekend and just flew in, is my wife Allison. Hey everybody, and yes, I'm excited about some food, deep fried food because I'm exhausted and I feel like it will make me feel awesome. Um... Yes. <laughs> so there's some I, green. If, if there's if there's <laughs> lack of energy, it's because I'm exhausted, <laughs> and not because I'm not enthusiastic about taquitos. Okay, so the ingredient list is really small for this one. It is, and I forgot to pull them out. Tortillas, obviously, corn tortillas. Um, in this case, you want the slightly larger ones, not the really tiny ones. Meaning, not street taco size, but not like burrito size. Correct. So they're like what, like five inches? Maybe it might be six. Mm. I'd say five inches. It doesn't say. Mm -hmm. He's <laughs> checking the package because now he wants me to be wrong. All right. Anyway, five to six inches. Um, we need cheese. I Any kind of cheese will do. Shredded cheddar. I actually got um, at the Carnesteria, they had quesadilla Mexican melting cheese. I've never seen a package of cheese say quesadilla cheese. I know. That's why I bought this. I'm, I'm curious. Um, uh, you need, uh, let's see, so we need three poblano chilies. A poblano is also called a pasilla chili in the store sometimes. Um, they're long green and kind of flat, and you need three large ones. Um, they're like the, they're like, uh, like bigger, like a little longer than my hand, but like they're probably the size of like Rob's hand. Like right, they're flat and big. Yes. Like you say they're long, but they're also wide. So You're right. They're so not like skinny It almost pepper. takes up the whole, all of my palm. Yes. Um, so if you have small hands, you want it to be bigger than your hands. Yes. Um, we need some toothpicks to, to keep the taquitos together when you're frying them. We need some vegetable oil. To top these, you can put whatever you want on there, like avocado or salsa. We're going to do crema um, by itself and some chipotle salsa. So basically sour cream and... And some like lettuce and tomato, salsa. right? Yeah, and then we got oh. lettuce and tomato. We have some left over in the fridge. Um, you know, if you buy taquitos at a Mexican restaurant, they often give you lettuce, tomato, and guacamole with the um, with the taquitos. Guacamole is actually a great thing to use. We just don't have any. And this is going to be kind of reminiscent of what I often order at our neighborhood uh, taco joint, El Unico. Um, I usually am... Usually when I go in there, I order chicken taquitos, and they are covered with lettuce, tomato, and crema. 
and they're yummy. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna heat up the oven to, I'm, I put my oven on 500 degrees. We're gonna roast the chilies. Um, it should take about five to 10 minutes on each side. So turn your oven on to 500 to heat it up. And at the same time, go ahead and pour your oil into your pan. You want enough oil that it's deep enough for the taquitos to sit in. I've got maybe an inch. So if you have more oil, the taquitos, you could probably just pop, drop them in and they'll just fry on their own. Like a deep fryer? Like a deep fryer. Mm -hmm. However, we have a, a, little, a little bit less oil and a larger surface area, so we'll have to take our taquitos and flip them at some like point. Like roll them a little bit. Yeah, we'll bit. roll them into the oil so that they cook. We'll roll the rolled tacos. Which is why they're called rolled tacos. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, I'm gonna turn my oil on too, on high. Okay, so my, go ahead and wait for your oven to heat up to 500. If um, you'd like, pause the podcast and come back once it hits 500 degrees. So if you're back, your oven is heated up. Um, I'm gonna put my poblanos right in, 500 degrees. I'm gonna set a timer for seven minutes. But you also always put them on the top rack, right? Because you want them to get, yeah, is that if, where the heat's coming if from? If you have a broiler, which we don't have in our yeah. oven, you, you want to put them in the broiler because that's, the, that's where they get the most heat. Basically, get this from flame. If the best way to do this would be over an open flame and they'd roast or over a barbecue. Mm -hmm. um, you want to blacken the skin on all sides if you can. Um, once the skin's blackened and it cools off, you can peel it off um, and it, gives, it changes the whole flavor profile of the poblano versus having it raw or braising it. So we got those in there, we got the oil on. Um, at the moment, there's not a whole lot else to do. You get your tortillas out to, so that they can get to room temperature and have your cheese and everything ready. You want um, a plate or a bowl to put the taquitos in and something to soak up the excess oil on, like paper towels um, or a cloth. And it takes the poblano chilies about 20 to 30 minutes to roast, but you wanna flip them um, so they're black on all sides. You, you want to get the whole thing blackened because then we're going to peel the skin off um, once they cool. So set your timer for about 20 minutes and then check them. You might, they might be ready at closer to 15, you might want to flip them. Um, but you just want to make sure that you cook them just enough so that the skin gets black all the way around. Uh, so when that happens, come back after they're ready to go. Okay, our poblanos are done. We're going to pull them out of the oven. Once they are black and blistered on all sides, you want to pull them out. Mine are popping. And you want to cover them with plastic wrap, actually, um, or put them in a covered container for about 20 minutes to let them steam and cool down before you peel them. So put them in a covered bowl and come back in about 20 minutes. I guess you could also put them in like a Tupperware. Yes, a Tupperware would work too. Like Just as something long as it closes. Covered. Yeah, uh, it'll help. It'll help make it easier to pull the skin off. Once it'll kind done. of like steam it, right? Correct. And it'll help the the skin um, kind of pull away from the rest of the pepper. Exactly. Uh, so we'll talk to you guys in a few in about 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so it's been twenty minutes. So uh, take your chilies, uncover them. We're gonna peel the skin off of them, um, and it should pull apart. If you pinch at the skin, the skin will pull off the chili. You can run them under cold water to help um, with the peeling process. It, it won't do anything to hurt the flavor of the chili. Um, and then pull the top out and the seeds so that you're just left with the chili itself. And then when you're finished with that, come back. 
And this is kind of like what you do to green chilies, right? Correct. It's the exact same thing you do to green chilies. You roast them. In uh, the green chili episode, which off the top of my head, I don't remember which one it is, but I talked about roasting green chilies. And this is the same. exact same process. Yeah. Now, what if I'm lazy and I don't want to pull the skins off and wait so long? Um, here, here's the thing. You don't have to roast these. You could, you can cook them, you can fry them. So or we just could take just, them raw. You know, we and, take and them raw, them cut well. them up like a bell pepper and pull the seeds out and we're going to cut them into strips eventually. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't have to do it that but way. It just makes this, the flavor different, right? Yeah. It's like when you, the difference between cooking asparagus in a dry pan versus steaming asparagus, like you get a whole like different flavor profile from the asparagus if you cook it dry and than that, if you put put it in oil or if you put it in a steamer and steam it. Well, now we're getting fancy with asparagus. Right. <laughs> so go ahead and, and peel your peppers, your poblanos, and then uh, come back once you're done peeling. Okay, so poblanos are peeled and what we're gonna do is cut them in strips so that you can lay strips of them inside the tortilla. So you want to cut them lengthwise, fairly thin. Say they're like what, like a half an inch wide? Yeah, I'd say they're about a half an inch. And then long and thin. <clears throat> yeah, they're like the perfect size for a taquito. And these aren't too spicy. It's not like using a jalapeno where um, you have to worry about spice level. Um, speaking of spice level, I went to Tortas Ajocadas Amica today, which is in a previous episode, um, with my friend Jorge to eat. And I ordered the Torta Ajocada, which I had never had before because I talked to you guys about the tacos de canasta and the Dorado tacos, which um, are the things that I always order when I go there. So this time around, we ordered the, the Ajocada, which is basically a sandwich. Um, that's drenched. It's it's Is like it open faced. No, it's not. It's like a it's like a fancy sloppy joe. Okay. And I'm not a fan of sloppy joe, so that's not. Does it sound appealing to? <laughs> it was amazing. I will order one every time I go back there now. Um, <laughs> I am not a fan of mushy bread. Allison will like soggy. He doesn't like soggy nothing soggy. Bread. I don't like soggy tortillas. Anyway. I don't like soggy bread. Um, so I was I was a little dubious because dubious. I saw the picture. Leary. Yes. Um, the photo of it shows that it's completely smothered in the sauce and they give you an option whether you want mild, medium, or hot. And Jorge, Let me guess. Well, Jorge and I went for hot. Um, <laughs> and then they came out and said, are you sure you want hot? <laughs> and then we realized, oh, do we make a mistake? So it was basically shredded. We got the chicken tinga. It was shredded Yum. chicken inside this bun that was toasted toasted and baked a little bit so that it was hard but it was still soft in the middle mm -hmm. then they had sauce on the bottom with onions and they poured sauce over the top of it so it was so wait, wait wait you have the bottom of the roll then you have the sauce mm -hmm. then you have meat then you have sauce correct and onion you said you, there were onions spread on top which you could take off right of course um so you basically pick it up and eat it with your hands and it's mm -hmm. messy mm -hmm. um and the hot was really hot like yeah. next time we get medium uh but it was so good both of us were just we just couldn't um, we almost couldn't speak. So like, now after we make these taquitos, we're going to make that, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now you're making me hungry. Um, okay. So we've cut our poblano up and we've got our cheese ready. So I don't normally advocate for using the microwave for much of anything, but in this case, we want the tortillas pliable. 
Um, you want and them to you, like be softened. If you try and roll a corn tortilla cold from the refrigerator, it's going to rip and tear. Um, so um, I'm putting in the microwave for, I have 10 tortillas. I put them in for about a minute. I'm gonna check them after 30 seconds They're and maybe flip them over. You stacked just, on a plate. Yeah, stacked on a plate. You just wanna heat them up enough that they're pliable. Um, it makes a huge difference when you need to roll them. I do the same thing for enchiladas. So 30 seconds in. I'm gonna flip them over. I'm gonna put these in. This in. Is that okay? Yeah. We're gonna have some beans with this. Um, we have Just some, as a side dish. As a side dish, we have pinto beans, but you can use black beans, refried beans, whatever you want. Okay, so my tortillas. That's pretty good. So it was a minute, right? Yeah, it was one minute. Yeah, this will work. All right, so we're gonna take, at this point your oil should be, definitely be up to temperature because it's been heating for about 20 or 30 minutes. So we're gonna take a tortilla and enough cheese, cheese kind of in the center. It's a lot of cheese. Well, we're not putting a whole lot of anything else in there. And I'm gonna put two strips of pepper in each one. All right, so then we're gonna roll the tortilla. You want it tight, but not too tight. And then we're gonna toothpick it at both ends. Kind of like an inch in um, so that you hold it together. Right. And there's one. Okay. So I think we're gonna do them all first and then we'll- Roll them all first. Roll them all first and then we're gonna put them in the, and then we'll do them in the oil. So Allison, how was your trip to Slam Dance? Do you want to talk about uh, why you went? Um, sure. I I went to Slam Dance, which is a festival that happens at the same time as Sundance in the same area, just at one of the buildings there. Um, and it's a slam to Sundance. That's why it's called Slam Dance. But anyway, uh, the feature film, The Rainbow Experiment, uh, had its world premiere Saturday night at the festival, which was last night, I guess. Um, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. I will say that um, I didn't really have a, a real meal uh, the entire time I was there because it's so crazy, it's so busy, and finding food, um, you know, kind of on the go while you're running around doing stuff is not super simple in Park City, Utah. Um, and every place is overrun with people from the festivals, so it is insane. You can't get like reservations anywhere. Um, so if any of you ever go, uh, definitely plan out your food situation uh, before you get there. Right, and and maybe plan to stay in Salt, if you plan to stay in Salt Lake City instead because it's cheaper, know that it might take you two and a half hours to drive in. Well, there was also a snowstorm, so yeah, it was lots of fun. It was, it was beautiful though. Um, it was just an adventure. I feel like every year during Slam Dance slash Sundance, there was a snowstorm. Uh, well, it's the middle of the winter in the mountains. So, All right. should we put the first batch in? Um, yeah, do you want to do it? Sure. Okay, why don't you just take the whole cutting board over? I, we have them rolled on a cutting board. All right, I've got like five of them here, so I'm gonna lay them into the oil. 
uh, and we'll see how this goes. Obviously the oil is really hot, so um, I recommend doing this with tongs, like metal tongs. Ooh. The dog doesn't know whether to stand by me where I might be dropping cheese or by you where she can smell <laughs> Well, I don't think she should be standing under underneath the hot oil, so. These won't take very long to cook in the oil. All right, so I'm flipping them now. The first one I put in five, and the first one I'm flipping, they're already turning brown. And remember, there's cheese in there, so I don't know that we want to lose all of our cheese because uh, it's going to melt. Um, I'm already pulling one of these out because it's already looking pretty good. Mmm, smells yummy. I mean, it's really hard to screw these up. It's cheese and peppers. I mean, and you're frying cheese. So who doesn't like deep fried cheese? Yeah, just I think it's the figuring out how to roll them with, and get the toothpicks in them so that they... Uh, Stay together and don't fall apart is right. probably the hardest part of the whole thing. Once they start to fry a little bit, then then you're good in terms of the toothpicks. But it's um, it's the initial. Okay, so I put the taquitos on a plate. Um, I'm plating these also for a photo for you guys. But basically, layered them all out and then um, spread some chopped lettuce and some tomatoes around the sides and then. Drizzle some crema over the top. And in our case, a little bit of chipotle salsa. If you use a avocado, then you would slice the avocado and stick it on there too, or guacamole. A dollop of guacamole would be great. And that's it. They're ready to go. So take a bite. Mmm, that crunch. Mm. That's when you know it's good. It's great. It tastes like fried cheese and pepper. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's really good. And we made these super quick. Well, and I think, <clears throat> I think with this type of a dinner, it's kind of like whatever you have in the fridge, you could probably do this. If you have tortillas and oil, you could put other ingredients. You could do potato right. and cheese. Or exactly. You could do, you could do beans you're... even, like beans and cheese yep. or meat or whatever meat you have like you could put that in, so it's kind of like an interesting um backup meal that you could probably do if you're you know running out of ideas or um don't know if you have a lot of ingredients for something else right and again aside from having to roast the poblanos which took the most time in this case if you did it with something else you literally just have to wait for the oil to heat up and you're ready to go right um all right guys so thanks for listening um Feel free to send me photos of these when you make them at home. I'd love to see them um, or invite me over and I will come taste them. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back next week with a new interview and a new recipe. Yeah, enjoy. Taco City is a Rob Gokey production. It's written and produced by me. And all original music is also composed by me. You can find more information about the music at robgokey.com music and more information about the podcast and see photos of the restaurant and the recipe for this week's episode at robgokey.com slash taco city. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.